0: Looking around you and it feels like life is such a daze. For some it's like a dream, while for others it can feel like a nightmare. Things just aren't as they used to be, they've changed. And as you try to gain your bearing and, and you, you're faced with a choice, the choice to adapt and change or to stand resolute that you will be unmoved. Paradigm shifts come in all shapes and sizes, from discovering that you can use a sandwich press to make French toast. Life-changing, apparently. Or mobile phone technology, and the loss of market share of companies like Motorola, Blackberry, and Nokia, um, because of their inability to adapt quickly to paradigm changes And now we have a market dominated by Apple and Samsung. While there are times for change, there are also times that God calls us to open our minds and a shift of thinking, to move from a paradox to a paradigm change. Let me pray. Jesus, as we come and spend time in your word, would it wash over us in a fresh new way, would our hearts be open, would our minds be open to the things that you want to say to us this day? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you, would you brood over us? Would you connect with us deep to deep? Use this time, Jesus, for your glory. Amen. Water was in Peter's blood. So much of his life had been spent on the water, around the water and occasionally in the water. So it was no surprise that when he was traveling further away from Jerusalem, he would find himself on the outskirts of the town of Joppa. But not only on the outskirts of the town of Joppa, but also at a house looking out over the Mediterranean Sea. On the north side of Joppa lived Simon, a tanner by trade. Setting up a home, there made good business sense. As a tanner you needed the extra space to lay out the skins as you processed them. But also no one ever really wanted to live next door to a tanner. Living out of town meant that the foul smelling liquids from the vats could be drawn off with the least amount of nuisance and so the salt water may easily be accessible for washing the skins during the tanning process. Sheep or goat skins, were smeared with, on the flesh side with a paste of, of slacked um, or builder's lime and then folded up to allow it to stand until the hair loosened. Then the hair and the fleshy matters are removed and the skins are plumbed, in lime, um, plumbed with lime and baited in a concoction, first of dog um, poo and then afterwards in another one of fermenting bran. The Babylonian Talmud stated, "'Woe to him who is a tanner by trade.'" The Talmud, the primary source of Jewish religious law, echoed the broader feelings of the community. This was stinky business. Being a tanner was a, a demeaning trade in Jewish eyes, for strictly speaking, tanners were ceremonially unclean since they handled dead animals. So for Simon, a Jew working as a tanner kept him at a distance physically, socially, but also religiously from the rest of the Jewish community that lived at Jaffa. Yet, it is at this man's home Peter settles for a time. Going up to the roof to pray around midday brought for Peter a break from the meal preparations that were taking place in the house below. As long as the wind blew from the right direction, the ocean breeze would dominate the smell of the tanning vats located just a stone's throw away. The rooftop awning danced on the breeze as Peter sat in the shade uh, from the midday sun. The thoughts of food and the dancing awning murmured in the back of Peter's mind. Praying took on a prayer-like stance. What, might, what some might think was a, a touch of heat stroke, or maybe he was breathing in too much of the thick tanning fumes. The trance was an invitation to commune deeper with the Lord. The vision formed... From the heavens above, a sheet was lowered and held by all four corners. And as it dropped below Peter's eye line, he saw laid out before him a vast array of animals, reptiles and birds. While nice enough to look at, they were repugnant as food. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. The paradox of that statement must have been lost on Peter. Two words juxtaposed, squeezed together without thought of their contradiction. Said so quickly, said so passionately, to say um, this so emphatically betrays the relationship. To say, no, John, no, James, no, Matthew, is one thing. To even say no thank you very much, to politely pass on something, is conceivable. Lord, it's not just a polite term of endearment. Lord speaks of status, of sovereignty, of authority. So to paradoxically place no next to Lord reveals not so much a depth of defiance, but for Peter, a state of total dismay. Thousands of years of tradition had spoken of the need to set oneself apart from the world out there through your clothes that you wear, through the food that we eat and in whom's home we enter. Drummed into Peter from time immemorial was the tradition that it's tradition that describes us. Tradition defines us and it also protects us. It tells others who we are. And whose we are so we build on but we never ever break with tradition no lord peter declares i have never eaten anything that our jewish laws have declared impure and unclean but the voice spoke again do not call something unclean if god has made it clean if it happened once Peter might be accused of maybe doing a tripping. Twice, deja vu. But three times, three witnesses gave weight, gave substance and gave Peter the jolt he needed to have him sit up and take notice that the Lord was bringing a paradigm shift. And Peter sat up on the rooftop trying to make sense of the situation But then the mention of his name from the voices below caught Peter's attention. Maintaining ritual cleanliness for Simon the Tanner was a battle lost long ago when he took up his trade. And so to have Gentiles stay overnight in his Jewish home was negligible. The following day, Peter set off from Jaffa with the Gentiles and some of um, Peter's Jewish Christian friends to Caesarea, some 60 kilometres north to Cornelius' home, where Cornelius' family and friends were waiting. On arrival, the paradigm shift plays out. Peter told them, you know that it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home or to, uh, like this, or to associate with you, the paradox. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. The paradigm shift. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me, why have you sent for me? Peter's Peter's step of obedience overcame tradition and transcended cultural barriers and led to the good news of Jesus being shared um, to those present, and they responded. The Spirit of God is manifest, proving God's point and reinforcing that for the gospel to advance, then sometimes it seems like that a paradox will only make sense when we are obedient in following Jesus paradigm shift today as followers of Jesus there are times when Jesus calls us to do the unthinkable the inconceivable and there are times when we respond no Lord and with our heels firmly dug in we refuse to budge no matter how many times Jesus' plan is laid out before us Relationally, vocationally, geographically. Jesus calls us to follow, but our response defies Jesus' lordship. No, Lord. But we want to have it both ways. We want your will to be done while still calling Jesus. We want our will to be done while still calling Jesus Lord. But the paradox just doesn't work. It doesn't work for us and it doesn't work out for our best. It doesn't have us live life well. Sure we get our way but it's not the best way and we sell out our future to settle for the now. We can do that individually and we can also do that as a church but that's not the way you do it. We've never done it that way. Our tradition says this. Our desire for power and to hold on to it requires us to do that. But there's a paradox that we hold on to tightly to have what we want, to keep what we've achieved, even the good things, and to say no, Lord, to the new things. We say that we follow Jesus and that we say that this is his church and that when he, uh, and that we're happy when he does things our way there's a paradox when we say no lord but we we as a church family have a paradigm shifting dna that flows through our blood founded in prayer vision is birthed and we have sought to follow Jesus with a yes, Lord. And the seemingly impossible becomes a reality. On the 25th of March, 1911, a church was built in a day. On the 7th of November, 1999, four churches became Northern Community Church of Christ. Into paradoxical circumstances, Jesus introduces a paradigm shift, challenging and changing our perceptions of what is possible. Often we think that for others to come to faith, they need to overcome the barriers to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus. But but it's equally true that for other people, for our family, our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues, For them to come to faith, we must also overcome barriers to sharing the good news of Jesus. They can be barriers of prejudice, barriers of time, barriers of resources, barriers of love, barriers of tradition, barriers of previous experiences and hurts that we carry. But there will be times that for the sake of the good news of Jesus, we will be called to overcome those barriers. And to do so will at times rattle us to the core and have us question, what on earth is God calling us to do? My wife Mary is a constant inspiration to me. Time and time again, there have been reasons why Mary could have said, no, Lord when he has asked her to step out in situations and to take steps of faith and obedience, but founded in fasting and prayer, time and time again, she says, yes, Lord, even when it involves a paradigm shift, even when it costs. Peter was prepared to go through a massive paradigm shift, for the sake of the good news of Jesus. People came to faith and their lives were eternally changed for the better because of the move uh, from the paradox of no Lord to the paradigm shifting yes Lord. But Peter also still serves as a warning to us. You see our, our time with Peter and his story, we're not done with that just yet. Peter's vision changed his views on the barriers to bringing the good news. But several years later, Peter travelled some 700 kilometres further north to Antioch, um, in the south of what we now know as Turkey, near the coast, once again, near the Syrian border. Peter was living out the realities of this new paradigm until he started to feel some pressure from others. Paul writing to the church in Galatia, records what happens in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some of the uh, friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted it was of the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. For Peter, years after the paradigm shift, he comes under pressure from those who refuse to change. Criticism and fear have Peter pulled back to withdraw back into the old paradigm. I've seen this play out in the lives of Christians. I've seen it play out in churches in the past. We discern that God is calling us forward into a particular direction, calling us to engage with a paradigm shift. And we start heading In that new direction but when the pressure comes when criticism or the call back to tradition is uh, cries out and it starts getting hard and the promise of the paradigm shift seems just too hard or just too far to reach people question did you really hear from God or the cost is just too much and so rather than moving forward we retreat back to the security Of what was. There will always be naysayers who will criticize from within and without that God is not a part of this new paradigm and in those moments may we have Paul's in our lives and in our churches who will stand up to us and stand up for us and the new paradigm That Jesus calls us to take on not for our sake not for our glory not to make the name a name for ourselves but out of obedience to the yes Jesus and a desire to see barriers to the good news of Jesus broken down and the kingdom of God extended where God calls us to go Centuries earlier, God spoke through Isaiah, as recorded in Isaiah 43:15 to 19. "I am the Lord, your holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like a smouldering candlewood. But, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will cre- make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. To reach new people with the good news, We're going to have to try some new things. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes that will involve us engaging in a paradigm shift. But what is absolutely consistent is the message of the good news of Jesus and that God still partners and works through his people today. Through people who move from the paradox of saying, No, Lord to yes, Lord, even when it involves a paradigm shift. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for Peter's life. We thank you for his example to us of what to do and also what not to do. Lord, we recognise that there will be times of pressure. There will be times of challenge. But Lord, help us in our, in our individual relationship with you, but also as a church family, as we seek to follow you, to be obedient to you. And as we declare you, Lord, may that be attached to, yes, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to we follow where you lead us into the future. Whether it's something new, something old. Lord, may it be that we follow you obediently and out of love and out of a desire to see the good news shared and the kingdom of God extended in this place to those that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's a few questions that I want to pose to you. Is there an area in your life where you find yourself saying, no, Lord? Ask God to overcome your barriers to saying, yes, Lord, in following Jesus. What traditions might be a barrier to sharing the good news of Jesus, individually, but also as a church? William Carey is well known for saying expect great things from God attempt great things for God what paradigm shifts need to happen for us to expect great things from God and to attempt great things for God there's going to be some music played and as the music's played I encourage you to prayerfully reflect on those questions and say, God, what are you saying to me today? How would you want me to respond? And after the song, the music's been played, we'll sing together, we'll collect the offering, and we will also collect those response cards. God bless you.